What's up everyone? Welcome back to Off The Chain, the backbone for storytelling across builders, creators, and collectors within Web3. Each episode, we dive into how these technologists use the power of blockchain to build businesses and foster creativity. Today we've got Andy, co-founder and CEO of Tessera. Tessera is the place to own and govern NFTs together. More specifically, the focus is to fractionalize ownership of an NFT, lock it up in a smart contract, and allocate tokens that represent ownership of that NFT. One of my favorite parts of the chat is listening to how Andy discusses his methods for experimentation and separating signal from noise in such a chaotic market. During the chat, we discuss his team's current product offering, the future of fractionalized NFT ownership, legal curveballs, and much more. Enjoy the episode. Andy, what's going on, man? Thank you for joining the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Really appreciate it. Been following for quite a bit. Love the rebrand. And, you know, I actually recently had Rob from Rally Road on. And for those who don't know, Rally is a platform that allows people to buy and sell equity shares and collectible assets. And so obviously with your team bringing fractionalized ownership of asset classes into NFTs felt it was very appropriate to have you on. And so again, thank you very much and excited to have this conversation with you today. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited too. I fun, funny enough found out that like through a few degrees of separation, I like my, uh, my fiance's brother's girlfriend is Rob's cousin. It's like one of those really funny, random, weird things. Um, but I'm a huge fan of Rally and everything they're doing too. That's cool awesome. And by the way, would love to connect you with him afterwards. I think it'd just be a good relationship for both of you to have him on the physical yeah. side and you on the NFT side. And I'm sure there's going to be bridging of both worlds in the very near future. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Okay, so we're going to dive into everything. Before we do that, let's just set the stage a little bit. Can you just give the very high-level overview of who we've got today, just a little bit of your background, and if I missed anything on the high-level overview of what Tessera does? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm Andy. I'm one of the co-founders of Tessera. Uh, I have been in the crypto space for a while. I started out doing smart contract development back in like mid-2017 was at a couple of different places and spent most of my time at MakerDAO working on the DeFi side of things. Uh, and then kind of in late, what was it, 2020, kind of when NFTs started to pick up a little bit and like NBA Top Shot started to become popular, I got pretty, uh, pretty addicted to NFTs and kind of never, never went back. Um, but I think you covered the, the high level of Tessera pretty well. Awesome. And yeah, I uh, I listened somewhere that you were a, a heavy hitter in the top shot world. Uh, and what were you like top five, like most active traders? Is that what I heard? Yeah, you say somewhere? so it was like, it was a really weird time in NFTs and crypto in general, um, especially on top shot. It like was not a very active market. And this is like September, October of 2020. So it was really early on. It was in public beta. But not a lot of people really knew about it. Definitely no no one outside of like crypto knew about it. And so there weren't very many actual NBA fans on the site. And I'm a huge NBA fan. And so it was kind of easy for me. I felt like I had an edge comparatively to these like NFT guys who were just like, all they know is buy LeBron James. And that's basically it. Uh, and so for a while, I was basically, I was pretty heavily like degen yield farming. It was a pretty great time during DeFi in that time. 
And I was just like putting all of my proceeds into NBA Top Shot. And so for a while, myself and my one buddy, we both had like the strategy of just buying a lot of the really cheap moments of players who we thought were good. And so there was like a couple week period of time where we made up over 50% of the marketplace volume of NBA. It wasn't very much at the time. It was thousands of dollars. Not It's not like it is now, but it was it was a funny time. Obviously, Top Shot, huge learning experience for you when it came to NFTs. Since then, you've accumulated a collection of well over a thousand NFTs. From my understanding, a lot of those NFTs are art focused. Does the majority of your interest in NFTs still live in art or are you seeing yourself branch out into additional use cases such as tickets or memberships, etc.? Yeah, so I think for myself up until this point, primarily it's been art, digital art and digital collectibles, um, mostly just because of just the kind of the projects that I've wanted to collect or follow those things. But I'm personally very bullish on both the idea of like membership stuff and also like the, the ticketing or kind of like event management space. Um, I think that it like makes way too much sense to not work. It's one of those things people have tried for a long time and still hasn't like, you know, it's, it's one of the few ideas for NFTs that I feel like back last bull run, even you back in 2017, 2018, people were talking about as like, oh yeah, this makes total sense for NFTs. There were a couple different companies who were doing it, um, but just never really saw it come to fruition. Uh, I think now though, there's a lot more infrastructure around all of that. And I'm really excited between like some of the stuff that like what Gary's doing with, uh, I think it's fly fish, fly fish club. Or, yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that's really cool. I think there's a lot of cool stuff kind of happening in that space. That's great. And you know, what's interesting and I'm going to butcher this name, the entire podcast. Is it Tessera? Is that the proper way to pronounce it? Uh, that's what I'm saying. I have no idea what the actual pronunciation is. It's not a very common word, but I'm saying Tessera. Uh, okay. Tessera. But people say both. Well, here's, here's, here's what's more important is Tessera is a small block of stone or glass or other material used in the construction of a mosaic. So for those who don't actually know how to say the word, from my understanding, that's probably why your team came up with that name, given the nature of fractionalized NFT ownership. Yeah, so I can give a little bit more background too to like how I found that word and how we came to it. But, you know, so we decided at this point, it was a while ago, probably late spring, we decided that we wanted to rebrand um, for a bunch of different reasons. But we really liked the name Mosaic. And we were like, oh, this is a cool name, but there's a ton of companies that use it already. There aren't any good domains for it. One of the, like a silly, but to me, important thing was I really wanted our domain to just be the, the word that our name was. I didn't want it to be like, try this or yeah, use mosaic. This. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so we could have gotten something like that. We could have even gotten mosaic.art, but I, we didn't want another .art domain either. And so we tried and tried. We talked to all these different like domain brokers and all this. And we, we couldn't get a good one. I even like found this dude on LinkedIn who used to run a company that was on mosaic.io and but he wasn't the one who had access to it. It was his friend. And I went through like all these different like connections that I had never got there. Um, but I was using this site at the time, relatedwords.org to try to just like, to be honest, I'm not a very creative person when it comes to stuff like that. And so I, well, I, like, I'm a the, terrible copywriter. And when it comes to oh, names, all that kind of I'm stuff. like, I'm so miserable. Bad. And so I was just on this site, relatedwords.org. And I would just put in any word that I thought sounded kind of cool and see what would come up. And eventually, as I was on there and I had put in Mosaic, Tessera came up. 
And I was like, I've never even heard of that word. It just sounds like Tesseract to me, like the Marvel uh, or like, you know, more like sci-fi stuff. And the, but then when I read it, I was like, oh shit, like this name, I'm oh, sorry, I hope I can curse on this podcast. I was like, oh, this name like sounds kind of perfect for what we're doing uh, in a lot of ways. And we actually really liked that no one really knows what it is because it lets us really own the narrative a lot more than if, you know, with a name like Fractional, you already, once you hear the name, you already have your own preconceived notions about what it is, how it works, what it does. And so this lets us really kind of own that initial understanding of what we're doing. Um, but yeah, so it came from the idea of wanting to be mosaic and not being able to be mosaic. But in, in the end, I'm, I'm happy we didn't go with mosaic. I think it's a, it's a better name. Yeah, I think it's awesome. There's obviously going to be a little bit of a learning curve, but the second somebody just takes literally one second to Google it, you have mm -hmm. a full understanding of what it means. And then of course your company is right there. So thank you for that background. Let's dive into the product itself. And so I want to make sure we're setting the stage so people have a clear understanding of the basics. And then let's go into a little bit of the ins and outs of the current offering. So can you share high level what the current product suite that Tessera offers is? Yeah. And I will give a bit of a caveat that we are about a month away from launching a V2, which will have some differences than what currently exists. I'll kind of, I'll go into both and explain a little bit of what's, what's different. Um, but the, the main thing that we launched, which still lives today on fractional.art, our old site, uh, allows for you to take an NFT or a basket of NFTs and uh, vault them. And then you basically can choose to either get back ERC20 tokens, which are like their typical kind of fungible tokens that you'd see in DeFi or something like that, um, or ERC1155 tokens, which are the NFTs that you would generally um, equate to additions. Uh, and so that's kind of the the core offering on fractional.art. Um, and so pretty straightforward. It's it's a very unopinionated piece of software and protocol. It's totally non-custodial. We never touch anything that, that goes on on the site. Um, it's really just like a UI to interact with the smart contracts. Um, since then, most more recently, we launched something called Nounlets, which is kind of like our first proof of concept with um, of our V2. And it's built on top of, uh, or for NounsDAO. And the idea is kind of, and this kind of is the larger idea for a lot of our V2 is a, a more thoughtful collective ownership experience of, okay, what if there's more to do with this NFT than just purely own it and you want to do something else with it? And so in the case of NounsDAO, that's typically going to be participating in governance. And so for Nounlets, uh, all of the NFTs are again, 1155 NFTs. Um, we're going to stick with that actually. We're, we're relative, for the most part, just completely ditching the ERC20 side of, uh, of the NFT ownership stuff. Um, and so with Nounlets, you get 100 Nounlets. Uh, they get auctioned off just like how NounsDAO has auctions, and they get to participate in NounsDAO governance through electing a delegate for to basically be your representative to NounsDAO. Um, and so as we kind of scale out more of our V2, we're going to be building more of these uh, really slightly more thoughtful and more opinionated versions of how do you interact with a given protocol or NFT collection. And so as a founder, it's up to you to set the narrative, the North star, the vision, as well as the roadmap here you have on one hand where for Tessera, you're building this platform. And then for Nounlets, you're really building a product that in a sense interacts with the platform. 
Was that a difficult decision for you to take resources away from the platform to build out Nowlets? Because maybe people or even just your growth as a whole as a business could consider it to be taking away from your core offering? Yeah, it was something that we talked about a lot internally. I think this is one of those things that is slightly different in the Web3 and crypto space as opposed to like the more Web2 space where um, I think the crypto space really rewards just like building cool shit in a lot of ways. Uh, and I, th I think we're still so early that like the most valuable thing that you can do as a company is like not, is really just above all else, build cool things that people like to use. And like, because of the way that Web3 is anyways, it's so easy to fork smart contracts. It's like when all when you can fork everything that's on chain and take out the fees like you have seen in a lot of DeFi stuff and things like that, really all that you have left is like your brand and your ability to innovate and build interesting things. And so while like you could think that it was built like kind of taking away from the core product, to us it's like this really valuable experiment and kind of this thing where now we have really great kind of brand equity within NounsDAO and NounsDAO likes what we're doing and we have a lot of good relationships there. Uh, and whether we ever bring Nounlets kind of into the product suite that is Tessera the website, as of right now, we probably won't. We like having it on nounlets.wtf and we like that it kind of exists there for Nouns users to, to build on and use. And it's still using the same underlying protocol that our V2 will be on. And so it's kind of this interesting, weird push and pull in the crypto space of we're building a, a protocol that anyone can use. And so Nounlets is an implementation of that protocol and our core website will be as well. And both of those things can be value additive to us as a company and us, like the protocol that we're making. Um, but it's definitely something that we've debated a lot internally of what's the right path forward there. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. And a company that I'm consulting with right now, we have a similar situation where a company almost wants us to build the product that they should be building on top of our offering and have it do it ourselves and so it's one mm -hmm. of those things where are we taking away from our current offering or in the sense of web3 actually maybe this does make this does make sense because in a sense you are building what you're preaching and so you want to be careful with burn and obviously all that and growth etc but there is a certain win when it comes to experimentation and actually being able to see what it's like to build on top of your product suite so thank yeah. you for that background I want to dive a little bit more. I've got a few more questions on just the ins and outs of Tessera as it currently exists. And I know you've answered these before, but for those who haven't heard your podcast, I want to make sure they know. So can you provide a bit of detail on who provides the terms of what a fractionalized NFT follows? So if I'm going onto the platform and I fractionalize an NFT, I may want to set certain terms around what can be done with that. Is Tessera getting involved with those terms that I'm setting, or is it more of a free-for-all at this point? Yeah, it's funny. I, I have an unread email from our lawyer about IP stuff currently. So it's it's a really interesting and difficult space where really the like boring answer is we have no idea. Uh, th it's totally unprecedented. Like, Who owns the rights to an NFT when it is locked inside of a smart contract that has a bunch of governance tokens that own that NFT? I certainly don't know. I'm not sure there's a lawyer on, on the planet who could really like tell you for certain that they do know. Um, so kind of the way that we've been doing it for right now is for our V1 and what's on fractional.art, we were extremely hands-off. Our terms were basically like, 
we're not telling you what you can or can't do with this, but like also you probably can't tell other people, but you know, we're just like, we don't, we don't really want to talk about it. Uh, well, you know, if something comes up, we'll figure it out on a one-off basis. And thankfully that hasn't been an issue. We haven't had to do anything there. Uh, as far as like the more mechanics of it go of what does a buyout look like? How do you distribute tokens? All of that. We've been very unopinionated in our V1. You can really, uh, the buyout has like some, some rules about how it works, uh, where you need 50% of token holders to vote on a price and then it can eventually go to auction. Uh, but as far as what you do with the tokens, how you distribute them, who you give them to, what they do with them, we have no opinion. You don't even really do very much with them on our platform. Uh, going forward, it really depends on the underlying NFTs IP rights as well. So for for example, with NounsDAO, uh, they're CC0. And so anyone can use any noun for whatever they want anyways. So it's not really an issue. We The noundlets are derivative artwork from nouns, but we don't really have to worry about it. We didn't have to get anyone's permission. It was just easy to do. Uh, for different NFTs that are more restrictive, uh, we're, we're going to start experimenting a little bit there, um, but it's really just going to kind of be a, a game of catch up or just kind of trying to to blaze a bit of a trail ourselves and, and see what we can do. Um, one of the more interesting ones is like the idea of like display rights, um, which like generally the, it doesn't exist. Like there aren't really any laws or regulations or IP stuff around like when I own a Fidenza, do you have the right to display it somewhere? Or like, can MoMA display my Fidenza without my permission? I have no idea. Don't really feel like going to court to figure it out. I, I think they probably could, but I don't know. But like, we also at the same time can have more like handshaky, like, hey, we are, you know, maybe you do put a Fidenza onto Tessera and all the all the token holders of the, the Fidenza want to vote to say, hey, we're granting permission to this digital art gallery to display our Fidenza. And like, maybe it just feels better. Does it actually change anything from a legal standpoint? No one really knows, but it's pretty uncharted territory in a lot of ways. When it comes to the uncharted stuff, I'm sure there are times where you're just throwing your hands in the air and you're kind of doing it right now, which is like, hey, like I just don't have the answers to this. Is that defeating for you at certain times where you're going into such unchartered territory? Or are you the kind of guy who's like, fuck it, like this is unchartered and until somebody says, don't do it, I'm just gonna keep running with it. I feel like it probably is the latter, but like how do you keep the momentum up with so many uncertainties? So internally we have a phrase that we say a lot, which is uh, fuck it, we ball. <laughs> Let's go. But yeah, for me, I think it's fun. I think it's exciting. Um, like trying to figure out answers to questions that like I lit literally don't think anyone else has seriously contemplated to me is like a really fun challenge. Uh, and it's part of what I love doing and why I've been in crypto for five years and don't plan to go anywhere else. Um, I really enjoy working at the cutting edge of this stuff and being in a position where we can learn new things every day. Uh, and I think really if you if you had a mindset where you didn't want to accept that sometimes your work could end up being like obsolete or you would have to scrap a bunch of stuff, then I think it could be really challenging and like defeating over time where maybe you do have an idea and you're working on it and then eventually some new law comes out or something new comes out where you're like, oh, everything we were just trying to do, can't do it anymore. Or we have to change the way we do it. But I think it's just like, you have to go into it with a certain mindset that everything's going to kind of be changing. There's going to be times where it feels like the ground is shifting underneath you a little bit, whether it's the current meta of what's happening in crypto or regulatory things or all of that. Uh, and you just have to be comfortable 
kind of dealing with those ebbs and flows. But if you are comfortable with that, I think it's really fun. I get a sense of calm from you that is actually wonderful. And I can see why you were able to raise such a monster round outside of having a great initial product offering, which we'll talk about in a bit. But hearing you say that, it's like, yeah, like I'd go to war with this guy. Like he seems to be thinking pretty rationally in a world of such uh, craziness. And so I'll take it right. It was a compliment. Definitely. So right now, you know, you're fractionalizing these NFTs. The vast majority, if not all of them right now on Tessera are art focused. What is the additional use cases that you think we're going to start seeing on the platform outside of fractionalizing shares of art? And is that going to come organically from the community or are we going to start seeing a push from your team to start bringing those assets onto the platform? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think this is another one of those things where I try to maintain the attitude of like, I have no idea. Um, People are going to do like, I just, I know for a fact there are going to be some NFT projects over the next couple of years that are totally crazy and out of left field. And no one knows what they are right now, but they'll be different and innovative and do something new. And kind of our biggest stance is that we want to maintain flexibility and like just kind of the ability to react when that happens and be a part of that. Uh, but with that said, I do think there are like some decently obvious ones. Like I think membership stuff uh, is really straightforward. It's something that we're like starting to mess around with a little bit in NounsDAO where one of the perks of being the delegate for, for Nounlets is that you actually can join like the Nouns private Discord channels. And so you then have access to all of the perks of actually owning a Noun. Or not all of them, but a, a decent amount. Um, and so I could see that really kind of translating very nicely to say, uh, you know, like a, a restaurant membership or uh, even like Proof Collective or something where you maybe own the most and so you get it or maybe it's almost like a timeshare kind of thing but like not in the gross way just a bunch of people all own something together and share that membership um and so i think there'll be definitely something there uh the the challenge there is with nouns it was really easy because we didn't have like we kind of in a lot of ways we don't want to try to have to partner with every new membership nft project that comes up and have them like accept whatever random style of like delegation we create and so we really try to backdoor most of our implementations where like with NounsDAO, we didn't have to get them to work with us. It just worked out of the box because of how we coded it. And so you kind of have to just like, again, be a little bit flexible and be ready to update some small smart contract somewhere to have it work with whatever that membership pass does. Um, so that's one that's one thing that I think will be a lot of fun. Uh, I think the in-game asset, like gaming stuff, will also be really interesting. Uh, I'm personally, I, I used to be a bigger gamer than I am just because I don't have time. But I, I love video games uh, and I'm, you know, I think a lot of the gaming stuff in crypto is like really not very good or not very exciting right now. Uh, but there are a lot of really, in my opinion, cool games in development that will come out. Um, and I, I, I could see a lot of the same things that you could equate to like a membership thing kind of being related to a really valuable in-game asset where maybe if you own one tenth of that game asset, you get to borrow it and use it in game once a week or something or like kind of creating these almost like um like miniature guilds that can share in-game items and do a lot of cool stuff there that's definitely a field i'm super excited about yeah and i think with the memberships it's interesting like even if you go back to fly fish club if they say hey for each nft you own it'll allow you to make 12 reservations a year 
being able to fractionalize that, make 12 sub NFTs within the master NFT, and you can easily prove ownership and have a smart contract say that, hey, one time a year, you're able to get access to it. That's definitely a use case that I think we could see in the near future. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm really excited about that kind of stuff. Almost, It's almost like sharing your Netflix password with friends in a lot of ways. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, On I think chain, that kind of though, stuff and it's got to, yeah. And look, the reality is we can't have someone say, hey, I've got a fly fish membership and I'm going to give away a thousand NFTs and you're going to be able to make reservations every night. Like that's, that's not the mm -hmm. right use case in the same way that Netflix is saying, Hey, actually you can't just give your password out to a million people because at a certain point we're going to start to catch you and it's not yeah. viable for our business, but there is that happy medium that I think is definitely out there. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I feel like you may have spoke about this a little bit with Nounlets, but Right now, when you fractionalize a NFT on Tessera, you get an ERC-20 token, and you're not getting a NFT. Are there plans where we will start able to get NFTs versus fungible tokens? Yeah, so we actually, we do have an option to get NFTs on like the current site. It's just not what we push, to be honest. It's like, it was more of a, hey, we think people will like this more, let's try it. And what we've learned was people do like it more. And so we were like, all right, we've somewhat proven our thesis, let's really do it right. Uh, with our V2 and with Namlets, which is currently out, we will only be giving NFTs. We are totally moving away from ERC-20s. Um, I think it's just like a much cleaner medium. It allows people, it allows you to do fun stuff with the artwork in a lot of ways. So like I was saying with Namlets, it's all derivative artwork based on the original noun. Maybe for like Flyfish, Flyfish Club, you could make some custom thing that makes it clear that it's one of the 12 reservations a year or different things like that. Um, it lets you get a lot more creative and we're gonna be leaning into that a lot too of trying to just make it feel good. I think sometimes it didn't feel good if you buy, if there's a hundred ERC-20 tokens and you buy one token, just seeing it in your wallet next to like whatever random governance tokens you have, that isn't really a very good feeling. Uh, there is something special about owning NFTs and having them be in your wallet and they show up nice. And so this will, this will allow us to lean into that side of things a lot more, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, it's definitely a trend that I'm seeing. And I was speaking with Jess, who's the founder of Seed Club, and he was saying mm -hmm. for DAOs, they're definitely starting to lean more into offering non-fungible tokens versus ERC-20 tokens. And so yeah. I'm curious to see uh, sort of how far that's going to take and in what other parts of the industry people are going to start implementing NFTs instead. I agree. I totally agree. I think that it allows for a way more personal relationship with whatever it is that you're interacting with. And it's almost like just easier to understand, you know, yeah. like being able 100%. to like see an NFT, it's, it's a lot easier versus feeling like you're trading on the stock market, which is a lot more complex and also just intimidating for the average user. I like to ask all founders this, when you're thinking about a product roadmap, what percent of your efforts are influenced by current market demands versus what you believe the future needs of the consumers will be? Yeah, I think, I think it's probably a bit 50-50, but with like the caveat that it depends. And I mostly say that because like we have our own long-term theses around like what NFTs will look like, why people would want to collectively own an NFT together, why, they, why all these things would happen. Um, 
But I do think that sometimes people discredit whatever like the current hype is in the market or something a little bit too much. Uh, when we're working with such new and like unknown spaces, like the rate of innovation is insane. And like, we shouldn't just completely discredit that. What if there's some new thing that's the total rage and everyone loves it? Sure, there's a chance that it's not going to be around in five years, but there's probably something that's there. There's something happening that people really like, and you can learn something from that and adjust as you go. And so I think it's like kind of having a North Star of like, this is what we're building towards. This is what we want. And we kind of are going to pretty ruthlessly build to get there. But at the same time, you know, the path to get there doesn't have to be just, there's, there's not only one path to get there and, and you can evolve over time and make minor changes based on the new things that come out. Cause like I was saying earlier, there's just, there's too much innovation right now to just kind of like totally ignore it and new crazy things are going to come out that you didn't expect or didn't know about. Um, for example, I think like using board API club is a good example. Uh, when I wrote the first smart contracts for kind of like our V1 it was before Board Ape Yacht Club even existed as a project. And like the idea of a project, of an NFT project, airdropping all of these tokens to its users over time is just like, it was an unknown thing. It was something that I never would have, I didn't expect. Um, and so like, that was something that while the immediate hype of it maybe was like overblown and I think there's been a bit of a pushback around it. Like, I don't think that's going anywhere now. And so like, that's something where it happened in the market and it was like, okay, this is like a new thing that is going to continue happening at least sometimes. And we need to find a way to accommodate it. And that was like a very tangible example of that for us. And so it's just trying to separate the signal from the noise in those situations and see what is it that's the new thing that people actually like and what's just like the crazy hype of crypto markets. Yeah. And so up until October, I think 2020, you were still a developer at MakerDAO. Fast forward now, two years later, you're a few months into a $20 million Series A. Are you the type of leader that's going off of gut or into research and learning? And if it's the latter, what are you doing to stay educated? And I hope to God it's not just like scrolling your Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs> so I think this is another one that's like a bit 50-50 where I definitely do have a lot of like just like gut feelings about kind of the crypto market and all of that. But like at the same time, there is really valuable information out there. Uh, I actually like not joking, think that being pretty active on Twitter is really helpful, but more from like community building, 100%. marketing, like um, I do think that stuff is, is pretty helpful, but mostly I find myself looking at like Dune Analytics and Nansen and a lot of like really intense data-driven NFT marketplace and like data aggregation stuff. Um, I, I try to at least at least once a day, I do like a pretty quick five or 10 minute, just like check of the entire NFT market. What are the most popular projects? What are the top sales looking like? What are the marketplaces that are getting the most volume? How's Solana's market? How is Flow's market? What are all these different chains doing? Uh, just so I feel like I have like a really solid understanding of the, of the market as a whole. That's where I spend most of my time researching is try, like, less so necessarily into like one super particular niche. Although I do have a couple where it's like, I have a thesis and I want to try to prove it out over time, but I won't spill all that alpha on the, on the pod, but generally more so just trying to make sure I have a really, really solid breadth of knowledge about what the current NFT market looks like, what the larger crypto market looks like. That's awesome. And I've got a few more uh, and then I'll let you go. 
the recent raise pretty monster round for such an early company outside of believing in you and uh in you as a founder and the future vision of tessera they they being the investors had to have been incredibly impressed with what has been built over the past year and a half to give them the conviction to invest what were they so impressed with was it the product development was it user growth? Was it the community that you've built up? Uh, a mix of all three? Was there something that they really honed in on where they were like, oh shit, outside of the vision, there's something here that makes us want to make a play so big and so early? Yeah, I definitely do think the vision was a decent part of it alongside uh, our team. We have a really great team. We have a really great like public reach between some of our other like community people and stuff like that, which I do think is uh, super valuable. And I think like, as I kind of said earlier, but like when you can fork everything, you can't fork brand. And we fortunately have up until now have a very good kind of public perception with people. And like, we take that stuff super, super seriously. Uh, but then on the more like um, product side, we have our RV one, while we don't like tout it super often, it's done a lot of volume. Uh, at one point we had like $700 million worth of NFTs on the platform. Uh, you know, the market's gone down a lot. Now it's probably more like 70 million or so. Uh, but it's still no small amount. Uh, and up until this point, we've done a little over one and a half billion dollars of tr of secondary market volume of uh, of these tokens. And a lot of that is a, a few things, but I think it's kind of a general bet that there will continue to be a few really popular things every year that people get really excited about and want to be a part of. Uh, and then finding better ways to kind of scale that and continue to build kind of the the best place to go to to just own stuff online with other people. And for founders that are, let's say, pre-seed and looking to raise a seed round right now, from the investors that you spoke with who are investing in crypto companies, are they more interested in user growth at that stage, revenue, or is it still very much so at the seed stage they care about the founder and the vision? So I'll, I'll give the caveat that I, I think it has changed over the last couple of months. Um, most of our round, while we announced it in August, we delayed announcing it a little bit just because we were also finishing up the rebrand and wanted to kind of align those things timing-wise. Most of that work was done uh, in like June. And so over the last couple of months, I, I've heard that the market has shifted a little bit as far as, as far as raising goes. I think a lot of it is vision still. Uh, I think a lot of it is having a unique perspective and like, doesn't mean you have to have the, even the right unique perspective, but at least show that you're interested in thinking for yourself and not just like forking whatever project was popular on one chain into another. Uh, I think when you're doing something more like that, they do want to see more user growth or volume or different things. Um, but uh, from my understanding recently, it does not hurt to have people who are using the product, even if it's just a couple. I think just like having a few people who are you are not incentivizing to use your product, who just use it because they like it, even if it's just like five or 10 people is really, really valuable. And you can learn so much from them if you're if you're really active. That's something that we've been really fortunate with. I had a call earlier today with someone who's been bidding on a lot of namlets. I'm like, hey, what's up? Why are you doing this? Like, let me learn more from you. Andy, this has been great. And I get to speak with people from all corners of the crypto ecosystem. And I can genuinely say that you seem like a great guy and someone that I can see why you're building a great product. And it seems like you've got a great company culture. And so I want to thank you for joining. I appreciate you joining. I'm very excited about the future of Tessera and hope that you and I can stay in touch. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much for having me. This was a fun one.
Of course. I'll talk to you soon and enjoy the rest of your week. Yeah, you too. Bye. See you. That's it, everyone. Hope you enjoyed. Hit that subscribe button, and we'll see you next time.